I had a, I almost had a bit of a mare today, Dan. So I finished oh, yeah. work at five o'clock. But also at five o'clock, uh, tickets for the Conference League went on sale, the group stage. All three games, all at the same time. And I had to try and buy the tickets individually for each game, one at a time. And then for the Alkmaar game, I was buying one for Dad as well. That was going to be sat next to me. Oh, my God. It's, it was just and so then, stressful and chaotic. And how did it go? How did it go? Did you get them? Got them all. Got them all. Okay. So I'm in the lower hole for the, for the two games that I'm just going to, and then I've got we're in the upper the upper north then because trying to get, we can't get tickets in the upper hole anymore. But I'll moan about that later. Very nice. Very nice. Well, at least you got them. Um, yes. And uh, any plans to go to any of the away games? Because I'm only a member, it depends Unlikely. whether the criteria. Yeah. It's highly unlikely, which is really gutting because. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, a trip, one of my trip to Poland would be nice. One of my biggest regrets as a Blues fan is that I didn't go to any of the away European games when, um, in 2011. Mm. I went to all the home ones. I didn't get to go to any of the away games. And it's kind of thing I wish I was like a few years older for it. You know, if I was like, you know, if it was like now or whatever, I'd have definitely been able to go. But at least you've got tickets for the home games. Very exciting. Yeah. And dad, dad, dad when, the, uh, when we qualified, the day we qualified for the conference league, Dad booked our accommodation for Athens. So whatever happens, we, we'll be there. You're getting a trip to, to Athens. Finals. Good one. Yeah. Very nice. I would. I'm shaking my head, but you know what? I'd probably do the exact same. Hello, I'm Daniel Sketchler. And I'm Callum Byrne. We've been friends for more than 10 years, sharing lifelong passions such as film and music. But most importantly, football. Through the ups and the downs. The celebration and the heartbreak. However, he's a blue nose. And he's a villain. This is the Second City Podcast. We're back for week five, including last week's special episode. Yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's weird to be back because we we kind of did the international break, but we also sort of had a week off in between as well. Yeah, so. it's a bit weird just how it's felt. Like we had a weird... Um, so like we did the McLeish episode because it was the international break. We didn't have to get it out like yeah. on the weekend sort of. And then, so we didn't really get it out until like the Monday or Tuesday. And that's normally when we record anyway for that week's episode. And so <laughs> we ended up getting a bit like, um, we would have just had to have really squeezed it in last weekend. But we thought, you know, we got some midweek games this week as well. So we can sort of um, try and hopefully get away with it, record one tonight and uh, hopefully get it out ahead of the next round of fixtures instead. Yeah, the game's come thick and fast for both of us now, really. We went into the start of the season. Um, shall we start with uh, what we're wearing, Dan? Because we've yes. got, we're, we're looking pretty similar tonight. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Another, you know, for a club that uh, whose arch rivals wear blue, Villa do have a lot of blue kits, I must say. You seem to have quite a... Uh, so, so uh, what? It, well, it's Nike. Mm, acorns a, i think it's a, nice an away era. kit i'm gonna say 2012 ish mcleish era mcleish no no not mcleish era unfortunately this is 2008 2009 oh. away and then technically the 09 10 third but it was really the away for 08 09 any uh great so, yeah. memories of that season yeah i mean um the 08 09 season was we had some really famous wins. We beat Ajax at Villa Park. I was there that night. Unbelievable night. Not that I remember a lot of it. I remember when Martin Larson scored, but that's about it. We went, we, you know, we talked about 
not appreciating being in Europe when because you're just so young. Of course, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, blimey, if we if we played Ajax now, it'd be like yeah, incredible, ridiculous. So, um, but no, I think I'm pretty sure we got a win at the Emirates in this kit as well. Uh, we finished sixth under Martin O'Neill. We watched the round of 32 of the UEFA Cup, but we probably should have done a bit better in that competition, but we just never took it seriously. So I'm pretty sure this is the shirt that we wore the last time we were in the group stage of the competition. And we wore this and we lost to Hamburg 3-1. We played a bit of a joke team. Mm. But we got to the round of 32, so we'd already qualified. So. Nice. Given that we're about to head into our first game back in the European group stage that I wore the shirt that was in our last game in the group stage. Very true. Fair enough. Uh, have you been in, you've been in, so have you not been in Europe at all since? You must have had the odd season in there since. So we had two playoffs in the two years afterwards uh, where we played Rapid Vienna in both of them and lost both of them. And at the second, the second one at Villa Park, before the game, they unfurled a banner in the away end that said, your nightmare returns. <laughs> and then they beat us. And so, they did. It would have been so... I, I assume they're not in the Europa Conference League this year, Rapid Vienna, because it would have been hilarious if you... Um... They almost qualified for oh, okay. They were very... They were in the playoff stage and, and they lost the playoff. So, oh, that's a shame. That would have been hilarious. It's funny. We could have drawn Eintracht Frankfurt or Fiorentina. The one team we didn't want was Rapid Vienna. Rapid Vienna. Although in a way, it's a weird bogey Vienna. team. Yeah, in a way, in a way, day in Vienna would have been would have been pretty cool if you managed to. Uh, it would have been one upside. Nice. I'm wearing. Um, well, let oh, me guess, guess, Dan. Let me guess. guess. Yeah, I reckon. I feel like I recognise this one, but yeah, it's very it's, unique. It's in, I think it's around that McLeish. Yeah, it's around that McLeish sort of era, isn't it? But then the sponsor, which mm. I won't name, because yes, because it's a bit. On, on on the uh, on the ropes, I'm yeah. going to guess it's got to be somewhere around like 12, 13, maybe. Yeah, very close. This is thirteen, fourteen. This kid is ten years old this season. You're probably thinking of um. So the year McLeish came in, we also had a penguin kit this year. So that yeah, this is kind of the classic blues penguin kit design. Yeah. But this is the Diodora one. Yeah. I so this kit is kind of I thought I'd wear it one because it's ten years old this year. I thought it'd be a cool one to to wear. Um, and it's also starting to like the paint's kind of starting to peel on it and stuff. So I thought I'd get it on before it's like a complete mess. And whatever. Uh, it's weird because I didn't buy a kit for the season before. And so when this season came around, I was like, oh, I'll buy one this year then. Oh, I think I maybe got it for Christmas even. Yeah. Um, our away kit this season is genuinely maybe my least favorite blues kit ever. I just cannot stand it. Is it the Bel- Is it the Belgium kit? No, I like the Belgium kit. That came out a no. year oh, okay. later. No, it's like it's yellow with like black stripes on the sleeves and stuff. But it's like it's kind of it's not just yellow. I, I like all our yellow kits. It's not yellow. It's like a limey green almost. It's like really disgusting. It's like not a nice kit at all. So it was a no-brainer that I was going to get this one. But I I, I like the penguin kits. I'm, I really wanted a penguin kit, so I quite I'm glad that I've got this one. But it's not as nice as the one we had in the McLeish season. That one just for some reason looked cleaner. It was, that was made by um, like Umbro. That one is better, I think. I don't like the sponsor um, no. on this one. We only had them for one year, thankfully. And it was a dreadful season. So this is the year where Paul Caddis scored on in the last minute to keep us up at Bolton. So we were in the away kit, annoyingly. So I do like I, I do like this kit though. Um, 
but yeah, it's just a no-brainer to get this ahead of the away one. I, I, I can't stand the away one. So yes, 2013-14 home <laughs> is what I'm wearing. Nice. Very nice. God, dear Dora, that's a throwback. Um, shall we get into um, the games that were, the weekend that was? Yeah. Do you want to start with Villa or Blues? Uh, well, so this is the first. Is this the first time this season we've kicked off at the same time at the weekend? Yeah, probably. It'll probably be the last time for the next few yeah. months as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I'd say let's start with Villa then. I feel like we started with Blues quite a bit in the last few weeks. Well, I mean, both games were a tale of late goals. Um, yeah. And for once, it's me smiling for both, yes. for both sets of late goals. So, yeah, yeah Villa Park, uh, we played Crystal Palace. We won 3-1. Um, which, if you'd have told me in the 85th minute, I don't think many people would have believed you. So <laughs> I certainly would have done. Um, it looked like one of those classic games where we'd been the much better team, found a way to go behind and just couldn't score. And we we just needed a moment of magic, which came from John Duran, his third goal of the season, his second in the Premier League. And it is an absolute Belter. It's Absolute a rocket. Fantastic goal. Cancel the goal of the month competition. We have the winner. There it, it was, is. It was some some smack, wasn't it? Yeah, it's funny because he almost scored a goal identical to that against Manchester City last year, but it hit the crossbar. And at right. the time, we were like, "Oh God, what a goal that would have been!" And so the fact that so to to kind of recreate it, but put it in the in the onion bag in front of the whole yeah. end to get us back in the game. I mean. It's kind of what you can't ask for better than that, really. No, um, but yeah, um, we'd gone behind early in the early in the second half. We'd had a goal disallowed in the first half. We'd been, we'd been a much better team in the first half. Just missed a lot of chances. Ollie Watkins missed a one on one. Sam Johnston made a good save. Matty Cash lost his lost his touch slightly when it came to front of goal composure and missed a couple of chances. Um, but you know, we went in nil nil. It's like, yeah, we've been the better team, so we just we're just missing the goal because we've been very very good. And in the second half, just like at Burnley, just let a silly goal in like straight away, and all of a sudden we were on the back foot. We were behind. We were chasing the game. And Crystal Palace, you know, they were out. They didn't have um, Elise or Jefferson Lerma, Mark Gahey. Uh, they didn't have Roy Hodgson either. He was taken ill just before the game. Oh, was it? Oh. It's like they're. Yeah, so like that clinical yeah. striker Roy Hodgson was out. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, they were very, they were just very depleted. Uh, John yeah, Noye went very... off early in the first half as well, which weirdly I think, and they brought Mateta on, and they went four four two, which kind of worked against us because I think we had the measure of them when they had IU on the pitch. As whereas Mateta is one of those players that really likes to turn up against Aston Villa. Yeah, um, he's, like he scored against us last year, and then he he puts a, an absolute fantastic cross in for Watson Edward, uh, and and Martinez just slips really, and uh, it's an easy sort of tap in finish. Um, but yeah, we never really got going in the second half. We were a bit flat, and you know, hey, there's that old saying: subs change games, and we brought on Leon Bailey, John Duran, uh, Yuri Telemans. And all, all of them had an impact. They were all really good when they came on. Um, Yuri Tiedemans was pinging balls, slotted through, balls through. Um, it was his through ball that got... Uh, the third, the third goal, wasn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, that set the third goal off, but it was also his through ball to Watkins that won the penalty as well. Okay. Um, so he was really impressive when he came on, you know, which I think was good for him, given that he was making some comments in the Belgian media last week that he's not happy he's not playing a lot at the moment. So you've got to earn your place in the side when you play. And he's, you know, I didn't think he did much against Tibbs as well as he's actually making a stake to, to maybe play uh, on Thursday night now. But yeah, I want to talk about the penalty, Dan, because you've seen the penalty now, haven't you? Yeah, I have, so, yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, I wasn't too shocked it was given. It looked like he did, did take Watkins' legs out. That's what it looked like to me. Um, but I haven't only seen it once. I feel like you're maybe... Um... Well, it's, a, it's one of those where I feel like the best way to describe the whole situation is... I'm going to use a cricket term here, umpire's call. Okay. So when they are not too sure whether the batsman is in or out, the technology can't quite 100% definitively give you an answer. They just go with the on-field decision. So when I first saw it on first viewing as the balls come in, I've gone, that's got to be a penalty. The ref points to the spot. And they're showing the replays. And it's the angles they've got, it's so hard to tell whether Chris Richards gets a touch on the ball before he takes ah, Watkins yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really it touch and go. I can see what you it's mean. really and touch I, and go. Uh, yeah, I see what you mean. I mean, this goes back to, um, we referenced in our McLeish episode and we tried not to get into it too much, but there was a famous, obviously the famous Blues Villa game where at Villa Park, yeah. where you got James Milner scores the penalty and the big debate was, wow. the penalty was given with like 10 minutes to go. And Roger Johnson 100% gets the ball. Like, I won't hear otherwise. <laughs> like, he, like, 100% gets the ball. Um, but it was... I, I mean, I'd have that... to watch it again, but it sounds like a very... Sim- it was a very similar one where, was he... Did he get the ball before the man or the man before well, the ball? I'd have to I, watch I think... it again. But I remember well, it, was, you... it was ropey from what I remember. Uh, and it's also this thing of, like, I suppose we're in the VAR era now, but I suppose back then the referee was completely blindsided and had no way of knowing if he'd got a touch on the ball or not. But with this one... I suppose it's the debate as to whether, does, even if he does get a touch on the ball, is it enough to justify not giving a penalty? Yeah, and I, I want to give a lot of credit to the referee. I've forgotten who the referee was now, but I thought he did a very he's good so job. Good. He's, he's so good, I can't remember his name. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's good. We shouldn't know who the referees are. No, true. Yeah, like the referee's true, doing true. a good job. You don't know who they are. Yeah, true. That's very true. So, um, so maybe after about a minute or so, of VAR checking the referee goes to the monitor. Usually in the Premier League era of VAR, if the referee goes to the monitor, they look at it for 10 seconds and they change their mind. This didn't happen this time. The referee was at the monitor for a good five minutes having, and you could see on the cameras, he was having a debate with the VAR. I think the VAR was probably trying to convince him to overturn it. And he, right. and he was probably saying, well, actually, has he got the ball? He's, has he got the man? And, you know, I, fair fair play to the referee. I mean, whatever, obviously the, the decision's gone our way, great. But I was actually, I hand on heart at the same time when I was watching it live, was saying, whatever he does, I think he's done a good job because he's he hasn't just gone and just changed his mind. He's gone, he's had actually had a really good look at it. He's had a good debate with the VAR. And while the crowd's getting all hostile as well, he's actually kept his head and whether or not they've come to an agreement that it is a penalty or not, he's gone with the, the very least umpire's call. There's not enough in it 
it's not clear and obvious to overturn it. Whether if it, if he hadn't have given it, would they have given it? Probably not. So that's why he's the term. I think it was an umpire's call penalty decision. That's fair um, enough, and it's good to get out of this habit as well. There was that point when referees would go over to the VAR monitor and the fans would start cheering when they saw yeah. him going over, and I hated that. That really bothered me. You knew something was wrong when when things like that happened. Yeah. Because it just defeated the point of him going to the monitor to make his own mind up. He was just going over to be like, oh, right, yeah, I'm wrong, cool. Let, yeah. Do whatever. And yeah, so in the, in the space of like no time at all, we've gone from being dead set to lose the game to being 2-1 up. All of a sudden, we've pretty much broken straight away from the kickoff. Gone and got a third, Leon Bailey. You know, a lot of players would have just hit it first time when the balls come across the box to him. Musa Diaby puts in a beautiful, beautiful cross. He was fantastic at the weekend. Um, and Leon Bailey takes a touch, places it. Nice. Three points. Well, I've well like, Sometimes that third goal is the most satisfying as well, even though it's not technically the winner. It's because yeah. it's the one that, like, you know you've won at that point, you know, in, like, the yeah. 101st minute or something. Yeah, I think it's one of the latest ever Premier League goals to win a game or something. It's, like, wow. ridiculous. So. Lovely. Yeah, a, a really good three points because it's one of those games where, it, for many reasons, if we'd have lost the game, we'd have come away going, it's three points dropped. And you look at the table and like, oh, we've only, I don't know, it doesn't feel like we've had a good start to the season when it's been sure. okay. Whereas, you know, we look at the table now, nine points from five games. What's like that? Not bad at all. Week, Not bad at all. And you're also winning your home games, getting big results in that sense. You know, good win yeah, against Everton the other week, good win this week. Yeah, so it's 10 league wins in a row at Villa Park. Sorry, 10 wins in a row at Villa Park, nine of them in the league. Right. So all of a sudden, and I think Unai Emery's, Unai Emery's, all the games he's managed at Villa Park since he came in, we've lost three, drawn one, and won the rest. Wow. Which is quite an insane record. It's like a 73% win percentage at home. Gosh. I mean, yeah. Well, interesting. Interesting. I um didn't have such a good weekend with uh, in terms of football. Because obviously, no. as your goals were going in, um, our goals were going in, but in the wrong end, sadly. Um, yeah. Another game, though, where you've had late goals again. It's sort of been yeah. like the defining, like, maybe not defining, but it's been like a state of the season. Yeah, yeah, it's a trend. Um, we uh, so first of all, I sadly I didn't go to the game. Um, although I am going to Norwich away in a few weeks. So uh, oh, of all the away days to go to, probably the one of the furthest in the country. But yeah, no, it should be good. Um, but no, I didn't go. Sadly, I did manage to catch most of the game on WM. Although I then didn't, I had to miss the ending. So I missed both, missed both <laughs> the goals um, and the sending off. So uh, shout out though to um, a few people, including George from Block Eleven uh, in the Tilton Road, who has uh, filled me in on everything. He went to the game, filled me in. Myself caught up on all the highlights and everything as well. Um, sounded like a really even game. Watford haven't started the season particularly well. I think their expectations are a bit lower this year. I did go to Watford away last year as a side note, and we lost three 0 Scott Hogan had maybe the worst miss I've ever seen. It was a night game. Keenan Davis scored. Keenan Davis scored. We were 1-0 down after about five minutes. We were 2-0 down after about 12. Um, our mate, Will, had loads of issues getting back on his train. We got there. Uh, we had to let Brace get to the ground on time. So it was a disaster. So I, I just wasn't going to go this year. Um, <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, so the unbeaten run is over in the league. Um, but it did sound like a really even game for the most part. 
done a lot. We defended really well for a lot of it. And it looks on the highlights like we had some really good chances. Like Jay Stansfield hit the post with a wicked curling shot from outside the box in the second half. Scott Hogan had a wicked double chance, which I think were, I think they're just two good saves from the keeper. And ultimately, it looks like the game's coasting towards a draw. And then Lee Buchanan, who's our left back, who has been like absolutely excellent, has been sent off for two yellow cards. And the second one is just like, I'm not sure, what, I can't really remember what the term is, but he's basically, his man's tried to get away from him and he's kind of just held him back a bit, basically. Like professional oh, okay. foul, is that what they call it or something? Yeah. Um, and so it's a yellow card. I, I'm not actually sure what the first one was for. I've not actually seen it. Um, but George was telling me that actually being there, the scale of the refereeing performance was really strange because looking at the stats, both teams had about 16 or 17 fouls each. And I understand a foul can range from anything to like a leg break and tackle to pulling someone's shirt. You know, it's like a really... yeah. Um, but we had seven yellow cards. Watford had one. And that's for that was for dissent. And so it's quite a huge gulf. And when you've got players like so Cody Drama who's Drama, Drama, who's just come in at fullback, he was booked in like the second minute or something. So that's a huge, you know, he's gonna be that's a really big problem when like you've got a fullback who can't. That must, have, that must have to have been one heck of a bad foul to get a yellow in the it, second minute. Exactly. Was it the yeah, second yeah. minute or it was, like, it, was it, it was the second or like the it was very early anyway. Yeah. Um and then you've got like Bielik and Sunjic getting on the yellow cards. Sunjic may as well start games on the yellow cards. He just gets booked every single game. <laughs> and when you've got these players on yellows, they can't... Players like them, they can't... They, that then affects their game, isn't it? Because they've got to be really careful and they're naturally really combative uh, players who are really, you know, full throttle. Um, so I think that maybe affected us as well. But it looks like we're coasting towards a draw and then... Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Right, Rayovic, Ray, Ray, Rayovic. Um, just to get on the end of the cross in the 91st minute, uh, beats Dion Sanderson to the ball. Manages to get a looping header over John Ruddy. So we're one 0 down in the 91st minute. That's a real shame. And then I'm assuming we've probably pressed for an equaliser. And in the 96th minute, I think it was, um, Andrew does a shot, and I think it deflects off Kevin Long, and. Wrong foot's ruddy, and so we're 2 0 down. So I don't look at it too much in that it was a 2 0 loss. I think we probably went 1 0 down really late. And we're pre- it's kind of similar to when we played Cardiff the other week and we were pressing for a, an equaliser and we ended up letting one in on the other end. I'd imagine that's what has happened here. So it is this point we've lost this game, but uh, chance people about this as well, and they're so right. We've been a little lucky the last few games. Like we didn't, we weren't particularly good against Millwall, and we still managed to get a draw out of it. We were probably the weaker team against Plymouth and we still win the game. You know, we were probably due one of these. This is, you know, maybe a bit of bad luck. We were probably due one. Um, And I think a lot of our injury problems are starting to show a bit now. Like we've got um, Mm. like Dembele, like this week, like just so many players were out. Like Dembele is still out. Um, Laird, Ethan Laird is still out. Uh, Obviously, Jukovic was suspended. And Tyler Roberts is still out. I don't think he's played since the very first game. Uh, obviously, Buchanan is suspended now for the next game. So it's really like adding up now. This is quite a lot of... Uh, I think once we get all these players back and we've got our strongest team playing, I think we are going to be really, you know, really something. Um, but you've got to always accommodate for injuries. And I think it's just maybe getting through this phase at the minute. And hopefully, I don't... 
it's weird how clubs go through phases of either just never really having injuries or just having loads. I don't really know if it's something going on in training or whatever, yeah. training methods. But um, it's a little concerning. But, yeah, as I say, it was probably due one. Rode our luck a little bit the last couple of weeks. So, learn from it and move on, I guess. It was never going to last forever. What did you make of John, John Ruddy's performance? Because I, I was watching the highlights there. I thought he pr- probably could have done a little bit better. For the yeah, first it's, one anyway. And the second one's deflected, isn't it? So. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the second one is what it is. Like it, it, I don't think you can be blind to that one. The first one weirdly reminds me of the Brad Fried or uh, Zigic one slightly. <laughs> like he's kind of gone down and he's sort of flapped yeah. at it. It's not as bad as the Fried one, but um, yeah, I think he could have done a bit better. I think he's gone at it too soon. He's kind of it looks like he's dived too soon. Is is a hard hitter to save, even though it's not it's not traveling fast. It's looping and it is like the flight of the ball I can understand that yeah. is, is tough um, yeah he's not been um, he's not been great like this season in my opinion I know it's not just my opinion I think a few other people think that he's kicking is really he, it's something that Neil Lethbridge is slated for is his distribution but I don't think Ruddy's is much better um, he probably should have saved the free kick against Millwall in the last league game which was, I think it was on like his side. You know, he, he really probably should have got it from what I remember. And then in the Plymouth game, he was definitely responsible for uh, their goal where like he's basically parried the shot straight back out into the middle of the box and into the path of a Plymouth player who scored. So yeah, he's been a bit inconsistent, but I feel like it's the first real spell he's had like this with us. Obviously, he was linked with a move away. Luton apparently were in for him in the summer. So... He's more than allowed. He's you know he's definitely going to be granted some slack because he's been he has been excellent for us and I think it's hopefully just a blip and um certainly in no way deserves to be dropped or anything. I think he's been a little out of form, but keep at it. I'm sure I'm sure he'll get back to his usual uh, usual self soon. Should we just do a little bit of housekeeping, Dan, before we preview the next couple of games? I've got yeah, of course. a couple of notes here. Um, so just because obviously we were off, we were like off the air really in terms of the newsy sort of stuff for a couple yeah. of weeks. Um, in terms of in terms of Villa, um, Philippe Coutinho finally went out on loan. It's something you've been talking about all summer. Uh, yeah, didn't know to... he was still there. He has Qatar. Qatar. He has finally gone. Yeah, he's gone to a Qatari side. Yeah, um, just for the season. Um, they're going to cover his entire salary, which is. Something like 150 grand a week. Um, I think oh. it, it's a it's a bit of a disappointing one for us, but I think it could be a win win, just because he obviously had that really good loan spell with us under under Steven Gerrard, and he found a bit of form, and then just couldn't stay fit last season, and even this season, every time he's got himself fit, he's played a few games, we're all there like always oh, looking good, he's looking good, he's injured again. So it'll either be the route towards a permanent way out for him, or it means that he can have a full season. Yes, the quality of league is not very good, and I'm fully aware of that. But even though the quality of league is not quite as well, he can have a year to just get himself match fit. He'll be playing games. He'll be the main man. He'll play 80 minutes every single week in Qatar. It's hot weather, so it's probably good for the hot weather training probably good a good place in a lesser league to keep yourself in shape and then that means hopefully that next summer if you know he'll be fit and it will either sell him loan him out again 
or he'll be able to slot in to our squad quite nicely. So I'll have to see, really. I think cool. that's why we probably didn't sell him. But yeah, that's my thoughts on the Coutinho thing. Um, the other thing I had was there was a bit of news around your stadium, which is still not fully rebuilt. Is that how you'd phrase No. It? Yeah, when you go. So like some of the safe standings have been put in. Do you know what it's like? It says the blues in big writing yeah. in, in, the, in the seats. So like they've done like the first like couple of letters, like the bluff is there now. So they need to finish that and then all of the, the cop side as well. Yeah, so the company that you had who were doing it went into administration. They were also doing Anfield as well. Mm. And there was videos of them like in the middle of the day just clearing out of the site because the company had gone bust. But you do have a new company now, Dan, who's going to finish fixing your stadium. Yes, they're called uh, Mace. Uh, to be honest, I know very little about them. But the most important thing is that apparently work resumed on it uh, last Monday. So, yeah, September 11th, they resumed work on it. At 9am, very specific, I think is what they said. Uh, the good news is they said it should all be done by November, end of November this year. And the capacity will be back up to near 30,000 when it's the case. Um, so that's good news. That's not long. You know, finally, yeah. considering they found these structural problems in December 2020, <laughs> it have taken them three <laughs> years to get there, just shy of three years. But whatever, it's not the new owners' fault. Including a whole season where there was nobody yes. in the state. It's almost like that would have been the perfect time to have done it, really. But um, yeah. but I understand that, you know, we've got some proper people in now sorting it. Uh, so, yeah, so that is some good news. I had some other blues news this week. I don't know if you had any villa news you wanted to get in first. Anything else? Um, well, I wanted to just have a little rant about the terrace view. I'll go for it, is... go for it. So, there was... We've got this new hospitality thing called the Terrace View, a bit corporate but basically the idea of it was they did, the club did um, a survey for whole end season ticket holders at the back end of last year. And season ticket holders talked about things they liked, things they didn't like, things they wanted improving. And one of the things they wanted improving was the facilities. So the club completely misinterpreted the survey or had no intention of really following through with it. Um, and created this thing called the Terrace View. So it's on the top level of like the whole, if you're walking outside the stadium, you go up the steps and it's on that level. It's like, it's a really nice hospitality zone where but it's not like corporate hospitality. The idea is, is it's like a 20 quid per game bolt on for your season ticket. And right. it gives you access then to like a nice pre-match area where you can have a few pints and what have you. However, they then all of a sudden launched the like the Terrace View season ticket. And so I as a member, I got offered this season ticket, um, it, but at hospitality price. So it was 1500 quid for the season Deal. to sit in the to sit in the upper hole <laughs> and and use this new like pre-match zone. So I mean, I'm it's at least it's not far off double the price of just a standard whole end season ticket. There's been a lot of for about it, and there's rumours that it might have given a few extra perks on maybe like away tickets here and there, but some of it's rubbish and some of it isn't. Um, the annoying thing for me, I had the opportunity theoretically to jump the season ticket waiting list because we've got, as it's well reported, a 30,000 person waiting list. 
it doesn't mean that 30,000 people would take up a season ticket if they were offered one, but it doesn't matter. So I'm ne relatively near the front of that queue now because I was very early on the waiting list. So I'm near the front of that queue. So I didn't see the need to take myself off the waiting list to pay 1,500 quid a year to go and watch the villa. No. Um, but the problem is, is because they've made this hospitality season ticket thing to sit in the upper hole, They've taken away a huge chunk of tickets out of the upper hole. And so you can buy a Terrace View package for the, as a one-off for the game. So say the um, Alkmaar game that's coming up or Brighton or wherever, you could buy a Terrace View ticket just for that day as a member and you get to use the facility and you'll sit in the upper hole. But you're play, paying an inflated price. Yeah, So. The Conference League playoff, I paid 30 quid for my ticket. A season ticket holder in the terrace view, who because you don't get cup games on your season ticket, had to buy obviously you have to buy your ticket, had to pay 90 pounds for his own seat in the terrace view. That's it's just crazy. a complete disaster. And it means now that I can't go and sit in the upper halt now. That's crazy. You know, even as a member, I never had issues buying two tickets in the upper halt. You know, the stadium would sell out, but I'd always get a ticket in the upper hole. I can't do that now. So, which is a real shame. So, I've got to find somewhere else in the ground ready to go and sit. But, you know, you want to be in the atmosphere. And it's just a bit sad, really, and a bit disappointing. It is disappointing because we're, we're talking more and more about, in general, how football is becoming so unaffordable. You know, like, the cost of everything's going up, uh, including football. It's something which people should have access to. And I've been priced out of, and this is just a kind of they've kind of snuck through. They've used you're saying it was like a survey and whatever, and they've kind of used it as maybe as an excuse. It sounds like to do something like this. Yeah, and it's it's a bit divisive in the fan base. And look, if I had fifteen hundred quid, I'd have gone and bought the scenes again. And like anyone who went and bought or pays for the territory, I ain't got a problem with that. I really don't. Mm. And it's fair play if you've got that money to spend, you can spend your money however you want. I haven't got yeah. a problem with that. It's just a shame that I can't now go and sit in the upper hole unless I pay for a hospitality package that I've never had to do before. And that's just a shame, really. Yeah, that's bizarre. Problems we don't yeah. have at Blues yet, so, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the last bit of Blues news to get into, really. Didn't want to touch on it too much, even though it probably sounds like some big news. But there's obviously been a few rumours lately um, about a potential managerial swap. I, I was going to ask, I, I, I almost was going to bring this up because I'd been hearing a few rumours as well. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so the big rumour is that apparently Michael Beale at Rangers, Glasgow Rangers, is under a bit of pressure. And apparently they're looking at John Eustace to replace him potentially uh, at Blues. And the big rumour, obviously, is that a potential replacement could be potentially Wayne, potentially Rooney. Uh, the Wayne Rooney. Um, so I think Wayne Rooney's done pretty well as a manager so far, or at least, uh, uh, maybe not pretty well, but he's at least not damn, he's not done anything bad, in my opinion. The Derby thing was completely, you know, out of his hands. I think he did fairly well in the circumstance. Um and obviously he's gone to America. I actually kind of res I actually kind of respect that more than like, you know, Gerard and Lampard winging their way into like top jobs very quickly. If you know what I mean, I think he's a he's at least plying his trade a bit more. So I wouldn't be too upset with that if it happened, but I just don't think it's gonna. Is the reason I'm kind of this is why we haven't led the episode with it. I just don't see it happening. 
uh, I hear a few rumours that Eustace has turned down other jobs before in his time at Blues. Apparently, he's very happy at Blues. He lives in the area. His family live in the area. I know Rangers is a massive club, but I just don't. I just don't see it happening. I wouldn't be shocked if there's something in it. Like we've had new American owners come in, and then we have one of the most famous English players ever, who obviously has connections to soccer, as as they call it in the states. You can kind of put two and two together, and you can kind of see how that might happen. Um, but I just don't I, see it happening. I think it's very common. It's very common when you get new owners that the manager changes. Hmm. Maybe not straight away, but it's very common that when you get a new owner that early on you can end up with a new manager. It happened with us. It happened at Newcastle. There's there's countless examples um, of clubs that they get a new owner in and they'll either change the manager straight away or you'll end up where the new manager has a few games and then as soon as you hit a bit of a blip, they're gone. Yeah. And we're also seeing this trend of new owners, especially some of the American owners coming in and wanting like a sexy name manager to come in and not necessarily and the best Wayne manager Rudy, for the job. Wayne Rooney screams name. sexy. Wayne Rooney screams sexy as well. So I'm sure that's what they're after. <laughs> <laughs> There's the title of the podcast. Yeah, that's, yeah that's exactly what I just thought. <laughs> that's exactly what I thought. Um, so yeah, no, but I completely agree. And even not just, uh, you know, Owners from America, like I mean, there was a big rumor that Thierry Henry was going to become your manager at one point. Obviously, when uh, when Blues were bought in 2016, within like a day, Jean-Franco Zola, oh no, well, within a month or so, Zola was our manager, a man who's completely oh, yeah. unqualified for the job. Um, so yeah, so it, yeah, we'll be shocked if something like happens eventually, but I just don't see it happening anytime soon. And I don't see Eustace, I personally don't see Eustace wanting to take a job in Glasgow. Uh, not because it's Glasgow, but I just don't see him like I don't see him. You know, he seems very happy where he is. And I just don't <laughs> see that. Should we do a really quick preview of the the matches that we got coming up? Yeah, yeah. Um, should we start with? Should we go chronologically? Yeah, yeah. We'll start with with you because you play tomorrow, today. Whenever yeah, so we tomorrow as we speak. This. Tomorrow, as we speak, we're recording this on Monday. We're playing Preston on Tuesday. The game's live on Sky Sports Arena, for anyone who didn't know. So um, you can watch the game live on there. And the red button. And the red button, yeah. The red um, button on Sky Sports Football. Yeah, of course. So um won't go into too much detail on it, because by the time this podcast is out, the game, and by the time anyone's listening, the game's probably been played already. It's going to be a really tough game, though. They're literally, they're top. They're top of the league. I think they're unbeaten. Them and Leicester, I think, are, are unbeaten. So it's going to be a really hard game. So I won't be too disheartened if we lose. Um, is it Ryan Lowe who's the manager there now? Uh, he's done a really good job. I don't think too many people were shouting too much about Preston before the season started. But yeah, deep down on a night game, it's going to be a really tough game. So almost feels like a free hit, honestly. Um, a draw would be a terrific result. Doesn't look like we're going to have too many players back from injury. Jukovic's still going to be suspended. Buchanan's suspended. So both our fullbacks are probably going to be out. So, because um, Laird, I don't see being back. So, it's going to be tough. So, I'm not too, you know, to free hit. Hopefully, you're going to just enjoy watching the game rather than getting too stressed about it. And instead, we'll look ahead to, I'm kind of more focusing on our weekend game. Uh, but before that, you've got the return to Europe on Thursday. Yes. So, we have Legia Warsaw uh, away from home, which is on Thursday at, Quarter to eight, and that's on TNT Sport. If you want to watch quarter it, quarter to six, quarter to six, right? 
is it quarter to six? Have I got the time wrong? <laughs> I'm sure it's quarter to six, yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe. I know that I've got a, I, I, it's really touch and go for me to get home in time to watch. Yeah, sorry, it's a quarter to six. Yes. Yeah. So I'm in, uh, I'm probably, I'm in a really tricky situation because. <laughs> <laughs> this is bad news. <laughs> this is bad news because that's the day that I've got to get, I've got to get, I've got to be a commuter. It take, I'll finish at five and it takes me like two hours to get home. So oh, find somewhere to watch it. I'll find a bar or something to watch it. Yeah, I might have to, I might have to do that. That's not yeah. ideal. Anyway, that's my problem. So yeah, um, Legia Warsaw, really, really, it probably is a tough opening away at Poland, in Poland to start off the group stage. Um, should we win? Probably, but they are top of the league in Poland at the moment. Um, it's going to be, I, do, I would expect a hostile atmosphere, you know, that the those European fans have a reputation for being loud. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, I, I, I fully expect if we play our game and stay relatively calm, we'll have the quality to win the game. We should be really favourites, I guess, to top the group. So, But we can't, it, you know, the away games have all got potential banana skin written all over them. Um and so if we can go out there and, and, you know, if we can win the game, fantastic. If we have, if we can only take a point, let's take a point and, and move on really. Cause yeah, I, I back us in all the games at Villa Park. So, you know, theoretically then it just means as long as we don't make a mess of the away games, um, we should be okay. So yeah, it'd be tough. It'd be interesting, but exciting as well. I'm, re- I'm really buzzing for it. Oh, so do you think you'll make many changes or? No, I don't. There'll be a couple of changes in there, but I think we're we're going to take this. While until we are through the group stage, we're going to take this competition very seriously, and we would be very, very, very stupid to not do that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think uh, when I saw who you'd drawn in the group, I think this one was like the kind of standout team you'd be playing. If you know what I mean, seemed like the most exciting sort of. Um, so yeah, big night for you on Thursday. Yeah, massive. Um, you've got a big. You're on telly again on Friday yeah. as well because you've got a. You've got probably a bigger game than the Preston one. You got struggling yeah. again QPR. Yeah. So um, yeah, we're on Sky twice in three days, which is pretty unusual for us. But uh, yeah, so we've got QPR at home and it's the Friday night game against QPR who are twentieth. They've had a. They had a really. They've had a really awful twenty twenty three. They've been dreadful. Um, I think they beat Middlesbrough the other week as well. Yeah, they did. Did they beat Middlesbrough recently? But other than that, they've been all over the. Yeah, place. but they're bottom of the league, aren't they? So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know what's happened to them. But this is mental. So we played QPR in the Friday night game almost exactly a year ago, uh, and they were top at the time. <laughs> and Michael Beale was there with Michael then, Beale. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and they were they were top of the league, and we beat them two nil. Uh, Longello scored, and I can't remember who got the other one. But um, oh, that's really annoying. I think oh, it will come to me. But that was one of the best, apart from maybe the West Brom home game, that was the best game of, home game of the season. It was absolutely rocking. I love a good Friday night game under the lights. Just got a completely different energy. I don't know what it is. Even when a half our stadium's crocked, it's like there's just <laughs> something different about it. So I'm really glad that, you know, we got like we got this and West Brom again at home in a few weeks as well on the Friday night game. So that's really exciting. And yeah, they've been so poor. It's mental that they were top when we played them in this fixture last year at home and they're 20th now they were very fortunate to stay up last season kind of surprised Gareth Ainsworth's still there someone who I do like but seems to have just not got it right there at all yet yeah. um, but they are capable of having a result in them 
I think they started the season really terribly, had a few bad results, but they have won one or two games. So don't write them off. But I think even with our injuries and all this going on, I still think we should be beating them, you know, all day long. We should definitely have too much for them. I'm hoping it'll be a really electric atmosphere. So, yeah, honestly, if we lost to Preston but we beat QPR, I'm fine with that. Three points from them, two games, that'd be good. And then you're back in action against um, Premier League strugglers, relegation, fodder, (laughs) um, the whipping boys of the Premier League, uh, Chelsea at the weekend. Away from home, the Sunday two o'clocks are well and truly uh, in the calendar now. Mm. Back, we're not on television again because it for some reason the North London derby is on at two o'clock on Sunday and Sheffield United Newcastle is on at half four. Yeah, you know, so, so we're we yeah, we're re- sorry, we're recording this. Do you know what the Monday night football game that's live on TV now is? Yeah, it's Burnley Forest. Yeah, who, who what who cares? Like, why would you broadcast <laughs> that? Like, just what a bizarre game to show. I'm not saying you got to show all the top six things all the time, but Forest v Burnley, what like. I don't know. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Thomas Frank's on the panel as well. What, weird. Um, yeah, Chelsea aren't great. They were they they were missing chances left, right and centre on Sunday against Bournemouth. So mm. um, we went and won at Stamford Bridge in like February or March last, last year. Graham Potter's last game, I think it was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're going to be full of... Full of confidence going to there. Hopefully, we're not too leggy because uh, obviously, we'd have gone to and from Poland uh, in the middle of the week. So, yeah, I mean, it's a tricky one because it's Chelsea. And so, even though they're rubbish and mm. they are rubbish, it's still, you know, if we. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not, it's not a given that we'll go there and, and beat them, you know. No, there's still that slight... Rubbish. Yeah, I mean, we were saying Conor Gallagher was their captain at the weekend. Yeah. How have they spent all that money and their squad is still just, a, like, a mess? Like, I just don't get it at all. Yeah, well, they disassembled a Champions League winning squad and have just built a mid-table one. It's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bizarre. But they've got a lot of players out injured, so, um, you know, it looks like Caicedo's injured and... There's a few others as well. Lavia, Chucklemaker. So uh, I expect us to, to go there and give them a good game. I think, weirdly, we're going to be the favourites going into that game. So, I mean, we've started the season, our away form has been a little bit rocky. So we've had the two quite heavy defeats in the Premier League. We did win it at Hibs. So if we got two away wins this week, I think that'd be massive for us. Um, be a good test of our of our mentality and the way that may have just shifted a little bit at the start of the season. And I think if, if we were to win both these games, that really gets the ball rolling on our season now. Cool. So if you had to say prediction for both filler games, what do you think this week? I think we'll win 2-0 in Poland and draw 1-1 at Stamford Bridge. Interesting. Very which interesting. would be really, which would be a shame because Chelsea don't score goals. But No, yeah, you'd have to probably stick one in your own net for that to happen. But um uh interesting though. I'm going to say I I'm going to be absolutely honest with the Preston one. I think they'll probably be us 2-1. But I don't think that's the end of the world. I think if we get anything from it that'd be great. That's not me being a pessimist to be fair. I think that's just I think that's fair enough. <laughs> Uh, and I think we'll beat QPR 2-0 again. And I think that'll be, hopefully, Touchwood, a really good game. So, yeah, that's my prediction for that one. Nice. Cool. Shall we um, Should we call it a day there, Carl? Sounds a good one to me. Cool, cool. Um, Pleasure so, as always. 
Yeah, absolutely. As always, we'll be back next week to review all these games and then look ahead to the next round of fixtures, um, obviously. Yeah. And uh, we'll leave you as we always do. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please do subscribe on whichever podcasting platform you're listening on. And whilst you're at it, uh, go back and listen to our previous episodes if you'd like. Especially, we did a special on when Alex McLeish rocked the second city last week and when he did his controversial move from Blues to Villa in 2011. So we did a special episode on that, just talking about looking back on that and its impact on both clubs and so on. Yeah, it's a really, really good episode, and we would both highly recommend you go and give that one a, a good listen as well. Um, also, go leave us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you're, you're on. Le- write a review even as well. You, you know, subscribe, write a review. Yeah, we'd love that. And uh, you can also follow us on Twitter or X, um, TikTok and YouTube. Yeah, and you can find us with the handle at Second City Pod. That's like at Second City Pod, so at 2ND City Pod. Yeah. And everything's in our link tree. If you go if you go to our Twitter, you'll find the link to a link tree. You'll have everything you could possibly want. That's about it, really. Yeah, beautiful. That was uh yeah, enjoyed that, Carl. Thank you, mate. Yeah, it might be a bit of a bumper episode this week, but we had yeah, a lot to pack a, in for the lot, last couple lot, of weeks. Yeah, a lot to catch uh, up on. And what's happening in the next week. So I'll catch you next week, Dan. See you no later. worries, Carl. See you around, Carl.